And I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with, and sometimes depart from, God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. Welcome to the special episode of Prophetic Imagination Station. Season two. Yeah. Bonus episode. This has nothing to do with politics, although it might. Maybe. But probably not. And you don't even have to be a Patreon subscriber or whatever those other fancy podcasts do. We're just sending this out to you. Bonus style. Yeah. Why? Why are we doing this, Crispin? Um, because this was, I think, uh, the episode that most people asked us to listen to. Yeah, our most requested episode. Yes. Um, and also it traumatized me as a child. Um, so Danielle was saying, like, I don't really remember what happened. And I was like, I will tell you what happened because this episode has been burned into my brain. Yeah. I actually, my parents didn't have it. We didn't have it. I don't think they would have let us listen to it. Uh, I listened to it at my grandma's house and then afterward had dreams that hell was behind her couch. Okay. First, okay. You are just rushing. You guys. I'm just jumping in. Crispin is so excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. Crispin is so excited to talk about this episode called The Mortal Coil. And, but real quick, let's just recap, Crispin. Who are we? We are a husband and wife that talk about Adventures in Odyssey in our shed. Mm-hmm. We used to talk about Adventures in Odyssey in our closet, and we expanded. Yeah. We uh, put up some drywall in the old shed. Yep. We grew up evangelical, um, and so we're really wrestling through a lot of those things as we are continuing to learn about God and the Bible mm-hmm. um, and trying to square that with these things that we learned when we were little kids. And I think it's really important because obviously these are things that kids are listening to when you don't have any critical thinking bone in your body. So you just like ingest it as truth. Yeah, and it's like the most popular Christian radio program for kids out there by a landslide. Yes. And um are you still an even are you still an evangelical? That is a great question. Nobody's ever asked you that. People ask me that all the time. But nobody asks you. Yeah. I'm I've, asking you. I have coworkers. Oh, interesting. I I told a coworker recently that I was evangelical and she was like, Oh, well you're you must be a really different kind of evangelical than the ones I'm thinking of. Interesting. So I'll take that. I mean, even I really believe I believe that the Bible is very important. Um, I don't know what the tenets of evangelicalism. One of the tenets of one evan- of them is biblicentrism. Yeah. Yes, one of them is political action. Actually, I thought it was just activism. Yes, in general. Right. Yeah, but I think that means like political activism because fundamentalists were different, right? So fundamentalists were kind of like the world is a sinking ship and we're just going to escape it. Evangelicals were much more like we believe that God wants us to be in places of power so we can stop things, sinful things from happening. Right. And we're not like that. No. We're a little more Mennonite. Right. Which we've talked about. Okay. So 
You are an evangelical still. Yeah. I'll claim that. Yeah. yeah I wrote something recently for Collegeville, Bearings Online, where I said, I am an evangelical until they kick me out. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. We're trying to reach our people. Yeah. Because we love them and we've made a right mess of things uh, politically in the U.S. So. Yes. That's why we're doing this. And we've got a few tweets and a few shout outs from people lately talking about how we have ruined Adventures in Odyssey for them. <laughs> or maybe not ruined it, but causing them to really uh, consider it critically. Which made me think about something you told me the other day, Crispin. Yes. You guys, this is really big news. So I just have no desire to listen to Adventures in Odyssey anymore. This is wild. I did not think this was going to happen. I feel sad about it. Yeah. Because like up until like half a year ago, mm-hmm. you would still listen to them at night if you couldn't fall asleep. Right. Yeah. And now you don't. Yeah. Something's going to have to fill that hole. And that is going to be Stephen Curtis Chapman. No. Until we do a podcast all about him. Right, yeah. You were telling me that our kids don't know any worship songs. I know. And I was like, I think that there are some Stephen Curtis Chapman songs that I would be totally fine with our kids listening to. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, here's our segue into talking about... The Mortal Coil. I was really hoping you were going to do some sound effects. Yeah. That was one, but... You want to do another one? Uh, I don't know of any others. Okay. First of all, the title is weird. Yes. Like, does a kid know what a mortal coil means? No. I just remember like that that phrase. Like, what does that mean to shed the mortal coil? Is that a something? Is it a thing? I yeah. I yeah. It's some phrase. Okay. It's like a poetic phrase. But I just think of like a coil, like an actual spring. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We should have done our research beforehand. So I have no, like, associations with this episode, but obviously it didn't just impact you and made you, like, believe that hell was behind your grandma's couch or whatever you were saying. Right. Like, it impacted a lot of people. Yeah. As kids. And I'm guessing that's because it's, like, most... It's, like, the first time most of the people listening to it had to grapple with mortality, which in evangelical land means you also have to grapple with hell right in mm-hmm. heaven which and is heaven. also something that is ironically hard to grapple with as a kid well say more about that um i think it's it's such an intangible thing i remember as a kid that it made me it made my brain hurt to think about heaven continuing forever in a way that it made me uncomfortable okay um, and also I think there's just a lot of, uh, I mean, I was a pretty like anxious kid in a lot of ways. So I think it was all the unknown. It was like, Hey, I signed up for this thing, but I have no idea what it's going to be like. Uh, but I think we should come back to this later. Okay. Okay. I think we should jump in. Okay. So it starts with Mr. Whitaker stays up all night working on an imagination station program. And then Connie comes in, and he's, like, really spacey. He's, like, in another world, and there's, like, kind of this... Mr. Whitaker is. Yes, Mr. Whitaker. And it's, like, kind of there's, like, this concern. And I think it's the synth, the, like, you know, synth and minor key. But it's supposed to be a good thing, because he's kind of thinking about heaven. But it's almost like dabbling with LSD. But it was even more real than real. 
I don't understand. No, I'm not sure I do either. Well, to stop now would would drive me crazy. I have to see how far this program, uh, my imagination, takes me. Well, I just won't let you quit. You can't stop me. Well, quit. I'm sorry, Tom. It is like what I think of. He's kind of like this, like, oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm just kind of like out of it, and I'm... Are you okay? Me? Oh, I'm fine. Just, uh, just a little tired. I, I think I'll go home and rest for a while. But, uh, but what about the program? Well, it needs work. Uh... Don't let anyone in the imagination station today, and... Are you certain you're all right, Mr. Whitaker? Yeah. Yes, I'm... Well, I'm tired. I was up all night, you know. I... Mm -hmm. I'll I'll see you two later. Uh, sure. Uh, Rest well. Eugene, what happened? I don't know. And he kind of, like, trails off his sentences... And that, as a kid, was so scary because Mr. Whitaker is always, like, nice and stable and just always present, right? And so for him to be kind of, like, not there totally and, so like... he was the one in peril. Yeah. And that was hard for kids. Right. Okay. I think that is okay. exactly it. Wow, you just got really animated. I know. That. I'm, like, trying to put my finger on, like, why it was such an impactful episode. Okay, that okay. is number one. I'm here to help you. Okay. You're going to help me process uh-huh. this. Uh-huh. Maybe it's Connie, but they say, like, well, you need to be careful. And he's like, oh, I will. But then he, like, comes right back that night. Uh, but to- what was he doing? So he's creating an imagination station adventure about death. An adventure about death? And so they're, you know. No, you- it wasn't about death. It wasn't about, like, viewing your life. Yeah, I think. In he- retrospect. It was all there, Tom. What was? My life. Scenes. Places, things I thought I'd forgotten about. It was like I was living it all over again. It was so real. No, it was about death. It was like in it because people are like, well, isn't that a weird thing? And he's like, oh, well, for Christians, it shouldn't be a scary thing. And that's why I've created this program is because for Christians, it's a beautiful thing. Because of Jesus, it shouldn't be scary. And I thought maybe the imagination station would be the place to show that. And Tom's like, you're messing with something you shouldn't be messing with. And he's like, Tom, I got to go back. I got to see where it goes. So Mr. Whitaker basically is like addicted to whatever these memories he's experiencing in the imagination station. Yeah. And it goes through his whole life. You hear him as a kid, you know, et cetera. Him marrying his wife, his son dying. And then it kind of clears. And it's like this, you know, soft synth music. And then it's his wife. Two GIs killed and Jerry was killed in action. Chronic glomerular nephritis. I love you, John. My word. Is that all of it? John? What? Who's there? John? Is that... Jenny? And... I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it now. I don't know why. It was just like so creepy, actually. Because she's like, John. And he's like, Jenny, is that you? And then he basically, the rest of the episode, it turns out that he then is hospitalized and is in a coma. And the rest of the time he's in heaven. But is it heaven or not? Um, And so his wife, Jenny, is like being kind of... Uh, you know, is this heaven? Is it not? Is this what you imagined death would be like? 
Well, I, I don't know. I imagined I'd see you again, that's for sure. And here you are. It's so good to see you again, Jenny. Um, then he meets his son. Just turn around, John. <gasps> Jerry! Hi, Dad. How are you doing? Jerry! Son! Oh, it's so good to see you, Jerry. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Come here, Jenny. Oh. Um, and then all the while, everybody in his life outside uh, of his brain, of this heaven brain coma thing, <laughs> is terrified as to whether or not he'll live or die. I think, I think you should come back to us. Please. Please, Whit. And then um, at one point, Tom and Eugene are like, we need to find out what happened to get him out of this coma. And so Eugene goes in, um, or Tom goes in and is like, you need to destroy it. I want you to erase that program, Eugene. Understand? Erase it now. But Mr. Whitaker won't want Don't to- argue, Eugene. It's too dangerous to keep. Just erase it. Erase it. And then... Eugene doesn't heed his advice and then goes in and then has an experience of hell. Okay. So, this is a two-parter. Yeah. So, there's a lot going on. But the basics are Mr. Whitaker does this thing about death and looking at your life in retrospect, gets addicted to it, falls into a coma. So, everybody's freaking out and wit's end because he's in a coma. And then... Us who are listening to it, we hear that he's actually having all these conversations with people he's lost that he loved in his life. Yeah. So as an adult listening to it, you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like, there's some tension here. Like, of course he wants to be with his son and his wife. And then, of course, it feels sad for the people in Wit's End. Um, and so since I didn't listen to it as a kid, I didn't, like, have any intense emotions about it. Um <laughs> Except I was bothered by a lot of the glib, the glibness about like, well, for a Christian, this is really exciting. And for everybody else, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so Eugene, I think I was expecting something because everybody was like, oh my gosh, the mortal coil is so terrifying. Even you like still think it's terrifying. I don't know what I was expecting, but when Eugene goes in at the end and experiences, you know, he's not a Christian, right? Eugene's like the big non-Christian, the only non-Christian in Odyssey or something. And when he goes to hell or experiences whatever, I was like really waiting for something creepy. But instead it was, he was just like, I was just alone, you know? And then the very end is like, is it Connie being like, basically like, well, do you want to become a Christian? And he says like, let's talk or something like that. Right. Right, Mm -hmm. So it's like this big evangelical kid cliffhanger, which I would have loved. Like, oh my gosh, the conversion moments happening. So exciting. We all want, you know, I I can Mm -hmm. sure, I can, I'm sure kids who listen to the show were like super, (laughs) super excited because the non-Christian was going to become a Christian. But I think I was expecting, yeah, to be scarier thing about hell but it was just being alone yeah utterly alone total darkness (laughs) it it was the most horrifying thing i've ever experienced i i've never felt such loneliness or isolation it was as though i were completely separated from everyone and everything completely and thoroughly alone eugene like loses it so, like, you have Mr. Whitaker kind of losing it, and then you have Eugene losing it as well. He's like, Wait, not, how is he losing it? He's not picking up his phone. 
this is the room of Eugene Meltzner. Sorry I couldn't take your call, but leave your name and telephone number at the sound of the tone, and I'll phone back post-haste. Eugene, are you there? Please call me. It's really important. Connie. Remember, he's avoiding everyone. He's hiding out. Because he experienced utter nothingness. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, as a kid, was really impactful. Yeah. Okay, but Mr. Whitaker does come back. How does that happen? So, basically, um, his daughter is there, um, and I think Connie is there, too, maybe. Yeah, he has all these kids that are alive. And I was like, we, I never even heard about these alive oh, right. kids. Yeah. His, He's a son and a daughter. Yeah, son there. and a daughter. And they're like, you need to come back. You need to come back. And basically, with he's with his uh, son who died and his wife. And they're like, you know, this isn't really a heaven. This is just something your brain has created. This is, and she, you know, quotes scripture, something about, like, the mind doesn't know the, you know, utter beauty and wonder that God has prepared for those who love him. And so she's like, your brain is only creating a fraction of what will be in the future. Yeah, and he wants to stay there. Right, yeah. So then he comes back, decides to come back. Um, And it turns out that he's had a heart attack. Uh, so he had a heart attack in the imagination. Oh my station. gosh, I totally missed that. Yeah, right. Oh, interesting. So that's what causes the coma. But it's totally a question. Like, did the? Oh, I I think I was thinking he was a semi-suicidal. No. No, like he had, but it's like, did but like he, in a, like a weird positive Christian way, right? Yeah, I mean, did the imagination <laughs> station cause the heart attack? Though, I mean, that's yeah, always seemed to be what I picked up from it is that he just like gave yeah. up on life and his body. But he's doing okay now. At least his heart is. What do you mean? You know, he's been unconscious ever since he came in, and he's shown no signs of coming out of it. Unconscious? You, what? You, you like a coma? Yeah. Well, for lack of a better word, yes. Oh no. Um. I mean, you're right. I think that's why part of why it's so intense is it feels like suicidal. Okay. So let's talk about death in the okay. Christian imagination a little bit. Okay. So my experience growing up, it was funny. I was trying to be like, so when did I first learn about death and all this stuff? And I can't pinpoint. Like, definitely wasn't this Adventures in Odyssey episode. But I think that's because I grew up in a family where when I was six months old, my older brother died in a car accident. My entire family was in a horrific car accident and my older brother died and so that was just a part of my narrative growing up my mom actually wrote um, a series of kids books about different topics and one was grief when a sibling dies and so we just grew up hearing about all the time we had birthday parties for my brother you know every time his birthday rolled around and so it was just a part of our life is that my brother Jonah is in heaven and someday we're going to see him and play with him that's like a really early script that I remember hearing but I do remember my mom's best friend also um, committed suicide when I was uh, like three or four, I think. And so my mom, I mean, she lost a child. She lost her best friend, right? She obviously w- would go through periods where she was really depressed. And just she talked about longing for heaven a lot. And I remember as a kid having such mixed feelings about that because you want mm-hmm. your mom with you on earth, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But you also, even at a young age, can understand like why – somebody would long for this world where everything is restored and made whole and you get to see the people you, you love again. So it's just like this, such this intense, like to be a Christian in the world is really intense. And the, and these thoughts we have about death 
are so bizarre. But I, I was like, oh my gosh, I have had that experience of, of knowing someone who really can't wait to be in heaven. Hmm. And there's, there's just, there's a bit of darkness to that, to be perfectly honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, think about all the songs about heaven. A lot of them are just come from really intense places. You know, like even at church today, we sang It Is Well. And they told the whole story about the Mm -hmm. guy who wrote it and his kids dying. And it's just like, Christians love that stuff. But as soon as somebody tells the backstory, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't sing this anymore. I just need to sit a moment in the grief before I turn it into this great thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And even like slave songs, you know, like how great God is. I, I just am mm. like, I just need to sit for a moment in, mm. in, in the grief of how horrible people's realities are, which then made them develop a longing for heaven that I still, for some reason, still keeps me really connected to how hard their reality on earth must be. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, of course, hearing about heaven a lot as a kid. Um, and I mean, that was just a story, right? Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven. Um, but I was always like afraid of heaven if I'm just really honest. Really? Yeah. Because of this episode or before? Before I never like had positive associations with heaven. I think I was scared about what it would be like. And I think that I was afraid that I think like I grew up with this sense that God didn't like me. Oh, And so, I so sad. I know. So I wasn't sure about like spending eternity in heaven with a God that didn't really like me, which I think is the flip side. Like I didn't even hear about hell that much, but I did know that God would send you there if Jesus hadn't died for you. So then right. there's this like ambivalence about like, so God hates you up until the moment you ask Jesus into your heart. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then it was like, oh, like what it, I think a lot of it was. Like, what if I'm not good enough for heaven? Oh. Which I'm just now, like, putting this and into no words. And no kid should feel like that. You know, that's just right. so hard. Yeah. It's so fascinating because I think this, these, so it's a two-parter. And I think it was this, it was designed to, like, inspire kids to think about mortality, to consider it carefully, and then to make a decision to accept Jesus into their hearts. And they use that language. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end, like, the Focus on the Family guy comes on and, you know, kind of uses his serious voice and talks about you know, have you thought about these things? And do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? Like find an adult to talk to you, basically. And even that language is just so, oh, like that language isn't in scripture to ask Jesus into your heart, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it says confess with your mouth that right. he is Lord. And in my mind, that's more about discipleship and committing to walk in the ways of his kingdom. But I was like, what does that mean to a little kid? I mean, I did it, not because of this episode, but because that's what everybody said to do. And it's just like, it's just fascinating to kind of unravel all of these things. And it's just really different. It's really different than how simple we make it for kids. It seems to me. Yeah. And scripture, as you know, we're on a journey. And one of the big journeys has been thinking through what we've been told about hell. And how important it has been to our lives to believe in hell. And it's just a really natural place of deconstruction for most people because when followed to its logical conclusions it's uh really intense <laughs> right <laughs> i was wondering how to, you're gonna to believe that the vast majority of people that god creates are condemned to a life of eternal conscious torment for um you know finite acts 
that they committed on earth, right? And wow, it's intense. So obviously, Odyssey, Odyssey didn't perpetuate this idea of eternal conscious torment, except right. they did. Yeah, it's hard to know. It's not like flames and devils, but it, it's utter aloneness, which obviously would be really hard and horrible and torment, you know, right. and no chance of of ever escaping that. Did you know people that weren't Christians when you were a kid? No. Not that I was aware of. Yeah. But I remember, like, in youth group one time, because so my dad's a pastor, everybody knew was Christian. I'm sure not everybody I knew, but, you know, I right, thought yeah. they were. And not a ton of diversity in the places I, I grew up in, um, except for when we lived in Alaska. and We spent a lot of time in native villages. But um, I remember in, like, junior high, one of the girls was talking about her dad had died when he was like when she was like two and he hadn't been a Christian. And so this other girl said like, Oh, so you'll never see him in heaven. And we all just kind of like looked at her. And, you know, everybody has to be faced with that reality. Like that's what Christians believe. And so she was just saying it out loud, but we're like, but you shouldn't say that. And that's mm-hmm. when you first are like, Oh, is this what I believe? And I have believed that. I mean, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to convert Muslims and you know, it's such a tricky topic. It's so tricky, and it's just really hard to even talk about without, you know, getting labeled a heretic or whatever. But I will say that I just feel like the people I've been in relationship with, there's so many barriers to them. You know, reciting the sinner's prayer or asking Jesus into their hearts, whatever the heck that means. Mm -hmm. You know, the people I hang out with a lot are... Muslim women who don't speak my same language, who have completely different cultures and customs, and um, their communities are so strong. You know, they're not going to just sever every tie they have. Um, it's just become so clear for, to me that I and actually, you know, the vast majority of my Christian counterparts here in America, we aren't doing a good enough job of showing Jesus to people. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of mad at Jesus about that because he said we would do a, but more works than he did, right? That's what he said. I was like, but we're messing it all up. And, like, we aren't we aren't revealing Jesus to people. We truly aren't. And so in my mind, I'm like, there's got to be a way that Jesus gets to reveal himself to people um, after they die here, if they didn't have a chance to experience him. Does that make sense? That's yeah. really convoluted. No. But I'm just like, I know I'm not communicating Jesus well enough to my friends to the point that they are never going to become Christians. That's just the truth of it. The vast majority of people, if you're not born in a country where you're born into a Christian family, you know what I mean? Like the chances of you actually doing that are so slim to none. And so I'm like, Jesus has to have other ways to reveal himself to people. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was like 16, I was a missionary kid in China. And at Christmas time and listening to like Chris Rice, Welcome to Our World. You know, I love that song. I just like yes, listen to do. it over and over. <laughs> and I like put Christmas lights up in my room. And anyway, but um, but I remember thinking like, so Jesus came and I'm in a city of 12 million people where no one knows anything about Jesus. Yeah. Like what? And I was like, I don't even think I thought anything other than like, what does this mean? Like I didn't yeah. like question the theology that I'd been brought up with or anything, but but it was different than um than when I was in elementary school. I remember I wanted to talk about this singing the breakfast song. 
a lot by Newsboys. The Breakfast in Hell song. Yes. So, listeners, if you know that song, you know where this is going. Right. And if you don't, maybe you should go Google Breakfast in Hell by the Newsboys and go listen to it. It's just called The Breakfast Song. Oh, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's called The Breakfast Song. Well, in my mind, it's not called that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's this weird... So I th- I remember singing it like on the bus at my public school. What? Just like gleefully, and then I got in trouble for saying hell because everyone's like, "That's a bad word." And I was like, "No, that's like a Christian word." But it's a song all about. Right. So it's like, <laughs> what I mean, is here's, it even about? Here's the thing: is that it's like a it's like a humor satire song, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I was gleefully singing it. And I think that's actually like, but this, it basically says they don't serve. Well, I, breakfast that's in what I'm hell getting to. Is sugar that, cereal. That that's actually what the song. The song is itself like has a bunch of puns about breakfast. And by the way, like eternal conscious tournament, right? Because yeah. it's like and you're yeah. not going to get any breakfast in hell, right? So weird. I mean, evangelical Christians are so weird. And one thing we talk a lot about when it comes to issues of like hell and eternal life and eternal salvation is, so when you read the Bible, it's very all over the map on these topics, right? Yeah. And, but we were raised to not believe that. We were raised to think it was like extremely black and white. But even today at our church, they were talking about Romans and I was like, oh no, I don't want to sermon about Romans. Like, it was just, Romans gives me the, oh, it's just too much for me right now. But anyways... Romans 5, it de- definitely does talk about the wrath of God and all this stuff, which is, you know, hard. But then, you know, there's all these verses that basically say, like, so because of one man's sin, Adam, you know, we all have trespassed. And then, so, yeah, verse 18 in, in chapter 5 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So saying, like, through Jesus. And I'm like, wait a minute. So is that saying, like, everybody gets justified by the work of Jesus on the cross? Like, that's what it seems to be saying. Mm-hmm. But Kristen and I were talking about this earlier, and Kristen's like, the thing is, like, when you're raised with a very specific doctrine, like, your brain just learns to gloss over the things that don't fit into that doctrine. So I still even have a really hard time being like, this is what the scripture says. And it actually makes way more logical sense. If we all have sinned because of Adam, then... And Jesus is way more powerful than Adam. Then we are all justified by the work of Jesus. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. But that's what scripture says. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I'm just, it's so hard to believe that, that that could be true. Yeah. Because there's other verses that negate that. But there's still these verses, a lot of these kinds of verses too. Right. There are so many different verses that say a lot of different things. Basically, it comes down, you have to choose how you're going to interpret it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really important to recognize that this, the doctrine of hell and the importance for evangelicals is a pretty recent phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, we all know Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God, but Billy Graham was a huge factor in making this a much more mainstream message and, and basically the reason why people would convert to Christianity. And before then it, it wasn't about hell. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, yeah. And so that's new. That's in like our parents' generation. Right. I think one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is that we grew up with this like consequences sort of thing. So like 
if you know Jesus, then you get to go to heaven. If you don't know Jesus, then you go to hell. Um, and I think that's like way more utilitarian than is actually true. Like, I think that Jesus is life. Jesus doesn't get you eternal life. Like relationship with him is life, right? He is love. He is. Yeah. And like, yeah, not being in a relationship with him is death. So yeah, don't, so- don't think that I'm like saying like, oh, everybody's okay. Like, no. I think that it is. I think that people that don't know Jesus are suffering. Yes. They like John says, like those who have not like, what does he say? Like those who have not believed in him are already condemned. Yes, like they are already suffering because they are disconnected from God, and that is death. Which is hard because, like, we do believe and love Jesus, and we still suffer, and we yeah. and we still have a hard time believing that God loves us. But I think through the Holy Spirit and through the work of Jesus, we can start to live into that reality more. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. that's what's a little hard for me with this kind of language. It's like, well, I do believe in Jesus, and I still really struggle with knowing that God loves me sometimes. Which has made it hard for me to be like, what do I have to give? Like to say in my Muslim friends, like, what do I have to offer? But I agree. Knowing Jesus in this life is is liberation. I mean, yeah. that's what he came to do and that's what he can do for them. So it's not like I don't talk about Jesus to them, right? But I do have a different motive, right? Jesus is a liberating power. Jesus came to reveal a loving father, God. Like that's mm-hmm. absolutely huge. Since yeah. most of the world religions, including large parts of Christianity, <laughs> right? right? Like, don't view, truly view God as a loving father. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're getting way too heavy and no. big here. Right, yeah. Well, here's that's what I... more to cool, y'all. Here's what I wanted to talk about. Okay. Is so, uh, Wit is, uh, was fortunate enough that everyone he cared dearly about trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's why, well, that's why I said it's glib. Yeah, This whole right. thing is so glib. Like, this is all great. If you're a Christian, I was like, do these people not know any Christians? You mean non-Christians? Oh, that's what I meant. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's anguishing. Like, if you if that's your theology, you should go through life in a perpetual state of anguish. And I actually know some people who are like that. And yeah. I respect the heck out of them. You mean anguish that drives to, like, even yes. evangelism? Yes, because they know and love people mm-hmm. who aren't Christians. And they're just, like, in suffering and torment because of that. And I'm like, yes, that is how you should feel if this is what we really believe. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. Because, I mean, I still sort of believe it. And, I mean, there just comes a point where it's just like, how would I even be able to enjoy heaven? The vast majority of people I love aren't going to be there. Yeah. I'd rather be in hell with them. And so my life is a little different, I know. But, you know, my friends are mostly refugees. And these are people who have experienced literally hell on earth. And so to look at them in the eyes... To hear their stories of what they've overcome and then to think like the God that supposedly loves me is going to have them tormented for all eternity. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you would ask me, what's the thing I most wish I could believe about God? Maybe we've talked about this before, right? My answer would be so quick. I know exactly what I'd say. What? I would say, I most wish I could believe that God would not have my friends who've suffered so greatly on earth suffer for all eternity. 
That's it. That's what I most long to believe about God. Yeah. You know what's interesting? <laughs> Sorry. Michael <laughs> W. Smith in the 90s wrote a song called Calling Heaven. So if you are is listening like to this. It's like he, our new theologian we love. Yeah. No. If, if you are listening to this and I think he's you, a Trump supporter. And you remember this song, you got to tweet at us. I don't know this song. It's about, like, what about those who have been turned away uh, f- from Jesus because of hypocrisy within cathedrals? And it just goes, calling heaven, tell me there's a place for these. Okay. Um, yeah, which is, like, really... I think that was, like, really kind of groundbreaking in a way. He's talking about, like, all these people that he thinks, like, wouldn't get into heaven or people that have suffered their whole lives. Yeah. And it just says, calling heaven, tell me there's a place for these. Okay, but... I was going to... Oh, okay. So I was reading recently about this theory about, like, what do we do with the... How can we be happy in heaven Mm -hmm. if those that we love are not there? Yeah. And there's two primary theories, neither of which are very good ones. But it was just interesting. Like, a lot of people would say, like, yeah, I believe hell exists, but they don't know how to answer these questions. So some theologians have said, like, all right, let's try to answer these questions. Uh, one theory is God wipes our memory of those people. Mm. Uh, That'd be more merciful. Yes. The other is that, um, that you, once you're in heaven, uh, you no longer see that person as a son or a daughter or a mother or a husband or a wife. That doesn't make any sense. The light of God's character. Sorry. Yes. Uh, instead you see them as a wretched, uh, evil person. I'm going to stop you there. It's upsetting. (laughs) Okay. That's not how God operates. I know. So, okay, we're just getting, not off topic, but just too many topics. And I don't know. I don't know if you're listening to this and this makes you feel uncomfortable. I just want to say, good. We should all be way more uncomfortable when talking about these matters because it's the glibness that, to me, speaks so much of a disconnect from reality. And it comes from such a, a place of privilege, right? I know the right answers. I'm going to heaven. Everybody I love is going to be there. It's going to be amazing. And I'm just like, whew, that is not how I operate. Just because, like, my biological family is going to be there. You know, that's not enough for me. And I'm me. I'm silly little Danielle. Like, how would God feel? Yeah. God, I mean, Jesus said God goes and leaves the 99 to find the one. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like these are the these are the metaphors I have to hang on to, and again, it's all there in scriptures. Judgment is there, and the God who redeems everyone is there. Yeah, right, right. So we just have to wrestle with it. I think it's just so <laughs> important, and by by challenging the the traditional view of hell, you're just like automatically not an evangelical anymore. But I think that it's so important that we can say, like, hey, they're, like, people take scripture seriously and come out on this to- on this issue a lot of different ways. Yeah. And we really need to wrestle through it. And we truly have been trained to just gloss over all the universalism passages, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm like, we are, this is why I still think we're evangelicals. Yeah. Because we are really wrestling with the authority of the Bible. We try and give the Bible authority in our lives. You know, it'd be so great to be like, oh, I don't believe in hell. I can't say that. Right. But I 
I really struggle with it. And for some reason, I really feel God with me in that struggle. Like God with me saying, don't just think I'm a monster, <laughs> right? Yeah. And don't live life like that. Right. And it, I mean, it affects everything about us. I mean, so kids who grew up listening to this, I feel sad for them. Um, but also, I think kids are really interesting. And, you know, for as many kids who got scared by this episode, <laughs> you know, who knows what happens? Like, there's this amazing story from my childhood of my mom took, my mom was like really upset at my younger sister who had some anger issues and took her to like, a, not a hell house, but like a play about hell that like churches held. Does anybody know what I'm talking about who's listening? You probably do. Um, but I remember there's like real flames. And something happened. I think there's like a car crash or something. These teenagers died and like three of them went to heaven. It was like amazing. And then one of them went to hell and it was terrifying and scary. And at the end they say like, does anybody want to make a decision and all stuff? And my sister was like sobbing and my mom was like, yes, I've like scared her straight. You know, like that's what everybody wanted to do. And she asked my sister like, so did God talk to you? My sister's like, yeah, he did. And my mom was like, well, what did God say? And my sister's just like, he just told me that he loved me. Like, I'm crying because God loves me so much. And my mom was, like, had this transformative experience of, like, how does it that God really talks to people? Does he scare them straight? Or does he overwhelm them and transform them with his love? No. Yeah. Right? Yeah. (sighs) God breaks through. I sound like that guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> God finds a way. Chaos theory. Right. I always tell people that I get my my theology from the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's his, not a bad place to get theology. Right, from. yeah. His never ending uh what is it? Never ending, never giving up, always and forever love, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, right. But even that Right. Haven't we talked about this before? Like when we read that book to our daughter, it talks constantly about this never ending love of God. And then when I wrote this in my book, when we got to the story of Goliath, like the first question my daughter had was, didn't God love Goliath? And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, right? Right. Yeah. Like if you talk about the love of God, like you're going to quickly come into some very tricky questions about what that means. And I think we write it off as adults or we are told these stories to write it off as kids. And it was just really refreshing to just have our daughter just be like, didn't God love Goliath? And it's like, yes, God absolutely viewed Goliath as a beloved child of God, just like he views viewed Osama bin Laden as a beloved child of God, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's just the reality of God. And it's offensive, right? honestly, in yeah. a world of abuse and suffering, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. everybody's a beloved child of God. Yeah, I think that I think a lot about so people talk about the gospel and what that means and Jesus is always saying like believe, right? But it's like everybody at that time believed in God or a God, right? Mm. It wasn't like there were a bunch of atheists, Atheist, yeah. right? Oh, interesting. It's like he was saying like believe God is like this. Believe that God like goes for the one. Believe that God loves prostitutes and, and loves tax Gentiles. collectors and Gentiles and Roman oppressors. Wow. And that's a great point. Like I think that's what the gospel is, is like so whenever I'm like, oh my gosh, like do I believe in a God that will go to the ends of the earth to be reconciled to everyone? Or do I believe in a God that like cuts you off after you die if you haven't made the right decision? 
I'm like, I really think having faith in God, like believing in God is, is the former is like believing that God is better than I know, yeah. you know, better than like a yeah. better father than I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been, it's just been really, I've been so grateful to be in relationship with people who are really different from me and to see the privilege and, um, you know, glib exclusionary theology that just pours out of the mouth of people <laughs> right <laughs> everywhere and just, I want to be more quiet and I want to say I'm confused and I'm just really hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping heaven is going to be a, a party with my refugee friends, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Growing up evangelical, how uncomfortable is it right now to talk about your views of hell changing even if they're, it's a little bit? It's awful. Right? Th- I'm this like, is probably going to get me kicked out of evangelicalism is what it feels like. Yeah. But again, I will just, I'll, you know, I'll just fight to the end and say, I'm just, I am trying to struggle with the Bible and have it mean something in how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Okay. Adventures of <laughs> Odyssey. <laughs> I did feel sad for it. It's really sad when you have loved ones die. But mm-hmm. I was sort of like, but you have two kids, like living kids that you never talk about. It was kind of interesting for me. I got a little judgy. <laughs> one is shows up sometimes and she's divorced. Was that like a big deal? Yeah. In Odyssey? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other one I have never heard of before other than He sounded like episode. a businessman. Oh, you know what? <sighs> I totally forgot. It's Jason. Oh, it's Jason. <laughs> I know that means nothing to you. <laughs> Okay, so soon after this episode, uh, actually, ironically, the actor who played Mr. Whitaker died, and so then they had to find oh, a new geez. voice. That gets dark. So basically, what happens very soon after this is Mr. Whitaker, quote unquote, goes uh, on a, a in an expedition to the Middle East um, to do, you know, archaeology. Okay, like uh, they do. And, I hope right. he went to Palestine. <laughs> so I bet he didn't. Then his son Jason uh, leaves the CIA and runs with end, and that is his son He's Jason. In the CIA, but it's a totally different voice actor, so that's why it didn't like connect. It's like oh, this. Okay, okay. This voice actor is like you know only in this episode, and then Jason. It's Jason who is with son, and then uh, his old friend Jack. Uh, come and run with end. So it's this combo of like you have Mr. Whitaker's genetics, but you also need someone that's old enough to be like Mr. Whitaker. So they like tag team it and fight. There's got to be an old white man in there. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. what I thought you were saying. Yep. Well, Crispin, this episode, these two episodes were very disappointing to me because I was expecting <laughs> something really creepy. Can and I? Yeah. There's some sad synthesizer music in there, but nothing. Can I tell creepy. you? That, like, I listened to this in the car before I hung out with some friends recently. And I was seriously, like, wrecked. Even now, talking about it, it's like... You have, like, these weird physiological reactions. I do, yeah. It's Which like, is, I mean, that's why we're doing this whole freaking show. Because the things you absorb as a child impact you. Yeah. Enormously. Right. So, I, I, I don't get it, but... I, I know wow. my eyes water. I get. I know you get goosebumps. I get goosebumps. I can feel like this tingling in my scalp. 
Oh it is word. weird. It I is mean, weird. I think... And obviously other people had that same reaction because so many people said, you have to talk about this episode. It creeped me out so much as a kid. And Right, yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, And I think, I mean, it's that only that small part about Eugene. So I wonder, I'm guessing that most people are creeped it's out by... the heaven by, part, the fake heaven part. Right, yeah. Is what yeah. creeps people out. Yeah. So we'd love to hear from you guys. What was it that made it so creepy? We're yeah, still, if, you, if you can articulate it. We're still struggling to put it into words. Well, it wasn't creepy. I'm just going to this, like, you know, limbic response about it. It, it brought up my thoughts about heaven and hell, but I've been having those for years. So, you know, old hat to me. I yeah. have a constant ethical dilemma running in my head. <laughs> so, there we go. I'm happy to be done with Odyssey for a while. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to this summer watching McGee and me with you. Maybe a few special guests. Who knows? Do you mean our children? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should call up some of my fancy writer friends and see if they would watch an episode and talk about it. I don't know. Maybe we could do a poll. Yeah. Should it just be us chatting about McGee and me, or should we have other people join us? Who knows? But the great thing about that is I think they're all on YouTube, so everybody listening can watch along with us, and it'll be fun. And it's got to be less weird. The Invention Odyssey, right? I think so. I think, I mean, there's generally a morals. I think it's more moral and less biblical, which in some way makes it a little bit better in that yeah. they're trying to instill values rather than theology. And I feel like McGee and me, we'll get into this, right, when we get into it. I think it was more for like a mainstream audience. Right, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Thanks for listening along with us. It's so funny to us that strangers listen to this, and you're awesome. Yeah. We've had a lot of fun picking apart Adventures in Odyssey. I feel a little stressed, though. Talking about how it's stressful. I know. I do, too. I'm like, do we really have to end on this note? This is a horrible note to end on. But we're not ending. We're moving on to McGee and Me. We're yep. switching the topic. We're, we're Switching moving, gears. Going to a small animated man. It's going to be all lightness for me from now on i'm sure (laughs) thanks for listening i hope that you go out and consider your mortality spend your week reading every single scripture passage on hell and then try to form a coherent theology on it yeah have a wonderful week (laughs) go out there and go get confused by the bible when it talks about eternity because it's incredibly confusing or go read about Billy Graham and his dad and how mean his dad was and how that maybe altered his view of God. Oof. I thought that he just read the Bible. Apparently. Apparently we all have baggage that we bring with us. Even our most famous theologians and evangelists who would have thunk. Wow. So crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We're excited. We will see you guys on season three, McGee and Me and Me. Starting the summer. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.